0: Welcome everyone to our 13th episode of our weekly Zoom Live uh, for our genuine men's chat Uh, Zoom calls now since COVID-19 has taken place. Um, For those of you that haven't joined us before, uh, Genuine Men is a movement consistent of a show, a podcast, workshops, and now weekly Zoom lives that express the often unheard honest views of men from various backgrounds, cultures, religions, and life experiences. It's also a rare opportunity for men to have a platform to express their views, their thoughts, their perspectives, and obstacles in life with other men on topics that impact them their families, their community and society as a whole. It's an unfiltered and unadulterated look at what life is like from a man's perspective. I'm the host and a genuine men's uh, coach, uh, Reham. And I'd like to welcome our genuine men's chat, genuine men who are watching and uh, supporting us as we have this amazing 13th episode. And we are so excited to have Bruce Walker, actually, uh, as our guest speaker today from FutureX, he's going to be talking about entrepreneurship and human-led leadership. Welcome, Bruce.
1: Thank you very much, Riam. It's awesome to be here. Uh, Really looking forward to getting into the discussion Um, and yeah, sharing a bit about what I've been through, but also just, I think, us having this discussion um, should be really good fun.
0: Awesome. Let me properly introduce you. So Bruce is a force to be reckoned with, I must say. He's 25 years old, a socially conscious entrepreneur, an advisor, and a speaker. He's he's the current CEO and co-founder at FutureX on a mission to empower the purposeful, former CEO at We Are The Future, and blogger for HuffPost and Herald Scotland. So Bruce, what an amazing background you have, rich uh, quality of human-led leadership, and entrepreneurship, I'm eager to hear more about it. Could you tell us a little bit about what got you started in business?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so it's always interesting, I think, when you look back and you try to um, pinpoint, you know, where where did this start and and where did it build from. I, I think, in truth, when I when I reflect back, um, the I had no idea that I wanted to be like an entrepreneur or do anything entrepreneurial. I didn't really understand what entrepreneurial meant. Um, What I did know is that, you know, I wanted to have a a job of some description at some point in the future. Um, And I really knew I wanted to do something that I was personally passionate about. Um, And I was also pretty confident that I didn't, I wasn't going to fit into the kind of normal routine of, of nine to five work and office and all that kind of stuff i knew that wasn't going to fit me but i had no idea what i did want to do um, and then it was actually in um, when i was in my final year at high school our school had the opportunity to take part in young enterprise scotland which is a nationwide competition uh, initiative for young people in school to have the opportunity to start up their own business um, and so me and my classmates uh, got involved in that and that was really the first introduction and what i loved about it was that we had all the all the freedom and control to, to make the decisions and it was a fairly um contained risk environment so you know you could you could you could try stuff and you would get it right or get it wrong and for me that was just it opened up a world of opportunity to me and what i learned in that one year where we tried a bunch of things some things worked some things absolutely didn't work um but what we did do is we actually organised an event where we invited entrepreneurs from uh, the local area. So I grew up in in Stirling, and so we contacted all the different schools in Sterling invited them to this event. Um, I, I reached out to people like Alan Sugar, who's Lord Sugar, who's uh, got the TV show The Apprentice, and and all that kind of stuff. I reached out to them uh, to see if they would come and speak, um, and they ended up getting responses from them. And that for me was just mind blowing because I never expected anyone to to care about what I was doing and why should they care, um, but people did and they were really interested in helping and they loved, and actually I found that if you ask people for help, people wanna help. Um, and so each time I, I went through a new experience, I was learning that actually this isn't as difficult as you know I maybe thought it was. And eventually what happened is when I left school um, and I went to university because that was what was expected, um, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I, I decided to study international business at Edinburgh Napier University. But what I wanted to do is take this event that I had held um, when I was at school and do another one in Edinburgh. And what that led to was just meeting so many incredible people when I moved here. And lots of other people were passionate um, about the same thing, which was entrepreneurship. i had become passionate about this idea that we could be entrepreneurs but that we weren't seeing the kind of um, weren't seeing figures that looked like us. We weren't seeing talks that were resonating, um, and we thought we could do this differently. What if we created an entrepreneurial community and we brought together all the best um, people from around the world? But critically, not just hearing people's stories, but then connecting them with the resources, the organisations the mentors, the grant funders, the advisors, the competitions, the lawyers, the accountants, all the things that you realize that you need when you're running a business, um, rather than you spending years trying to work out who you need to speak to, we would bring it all together in one space. And and it turned out that that was an idea that people wanted to get behind. And our first year we had 500 people attend, um, which just kind of blew my mind. And then we invited this incredible entrepreneur over from uh, the US. And Stacey had started a business when she was 18. Um, She managed to get investment from Richard Branson because she sent him a tweet and um, got invited to this event. And eventually he invested a million dollars in her company. Um, And then she flew over to Edinburgh a couple of years after selling the company and gave this incredible story. And then what we, afterwards, we went out with, uh, she came over with our brother, who was our co-founder, um, and we were talking about Silicon Valley, where she was based, and we're talking about Edinburgh, and she said, well, you should really come to Silicon Valley, um, you should come out and experience that. And I didn't really think much of it at the time, but other than, wouldn't that be amazing? Um, you know, but I was only 19 by then, and I you know, had no means to get to Silicon Valley. But what I started doing is telling people I wanted to go. And it's an incredible thing when you just start telling people your intention, because people then make it possible for you. They start opening doors or they start offering support or advice. And then before I knew it, people were saying, oh, well, I know someone in Silicon Valley I could put you in touch with. And, oh, well, if you're going out, then you should speak to this person. And then they would say, oh, well, if you're gonna be out, speak to that person. And the kind of big, um, kind of, uh, the big moment was when I found this uh, website that I didn't really believe was real. Um, and it basically was like this directory of CEOs emails. Um, And it's as simple as ceoemail.com. And I just typed in Apple and up popped Tim Cook's email address. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to be out in Silicon Valley uh, in a few weeks' time. What if Tim wants to meet with me? Um, And so I sent an email and not expecting a response. Like, I think you've got to get used to sending things out into the ether with good intention and not being so committed to what the outcome is you know if something positive comes from an excellent if you don't get a response life hasn't actually altered um but almost always there's you will get some type of response and then there's something you can go on and so i did get a response um telling me that mr cook was probably a bit busy to meet with uh this young 19 year old scotsman on his first trip to silicon valley However, there might be other people that you should speak to um, and you could speak to. And so they then started to pass me down the chain. And then I got a meeting with uh, the guy who worked uh, in the design studio, Apple. Um, and then I had built all these meetings around the fact that I had a meeting with Apple. And then I, I, when I got there, I told people who I was meeting and they said, oh, you should meet this person. And before you know it, on my first trip there, I'd met all these incredible people from all these different companies. And they were all asking me, what do you want <laughs> and so i had to come up with with a with a want with an ask and what i said was i would love to bring more people um, from scotland at this point i was thinking um, over to silicon valley to experience the creativity the energy the optimism um, but also to expose them to the reality of it because it's not all you know it's not a utopia there are so many drawbacks but it's important to understand that the stories that you hear in reality um are not always the same but there is so much to learn from experiencing it Um, and so i asked all these people if they would help me do that and all of them said yes Um, and so what ended up happening is we ended up hosting an event in um silicon valley and we invited all these we brought over we fully funded six entrepreneurs from scotland to come over on a fully expense paid trip to silicon valley and we took them on trips to apple to google to airbnb to the accelerators um, giving them an opportunity to see what the very top level of, of technology in Silicon Valley looks like. And then, you know, that was the kind of knock on from there. It just started to, to build momentum. And I'm sure we, you know, we can get into some of those, those stories. But literally from that moment, I think that there was probably a shock factor that a 19, 20 year old was doing this. And so then I was getting loads of requests from people you know, to come out to LA, to go and help us do this in Abu Dhabi, to help us, uh, you know, I then started telling people I wanted to go to China, and then people said, oh, I know someone in China who I could put you in touch with, and before you know it, we were running programs in China. Um, so for the first, I'd say, four years, it was just this whirlwind experience where we believed entrepreneurship was a great way to unite people and to bring people together, to solve problems together, and um, and that that was universal that was happening all over the world and that people desperately wanted to collaborate and learn from each other um and yeah so so that's that was the beginning
0: what a, what a whirlwind um that sounds amazing for for an american like myself i mean i understand what the impact of going to silicon valley and understanding the complexities of what it looks like to work there having had a lot of friends and and former colleagues that actually went through the entrepreneurial journey there, especially when the startup, you know, the tech uh, concept kind of exploded and then it bombed all of a sudden 2008. and the impact of that it is quite risky however the excitement that i hear in your voice the fulfillment that i hear and i personally experience as an entrepreneur continuously from the work that i do and from other people's work that they do with the vision and the mission that they have designated and the ask exactly like you're saying the ask knowing what it is that you want to do to leave a legacy in the world Mm -hmm. is so vital and to hear that from you is very refreshing, so thank you for sharing that story.
1: You're welcome, and I think that, just to add to that, is that I think when you look at the, uh, what I learned in that time, it was actually about um, going somewhere and not trying to pretend to be something that you're not, but go there genuinely telling people that I'm here to learn, and they fully expect that you're here to learn, why wouldn't you be, you, you know, teenager or you know just turning 20 um, going there and saying this is what I would love to do if you got advice for me and you know who should I speak to And, and then it just becomes that everything's learning and you're being so open to everything that it just becomes a massive learning experience which builds your confidence for the next time and then the next time and the next time and I think that's something that you know, we should never forget, we're always learning, and we can always learn from, from other people. And that's when you get the, the most from from experiences.
0: You're absolutely on point. I know that we at through the genuine men uh, program, um, when I'm coaching men and working with them in groups and in, as and or uh, as individuals, some of the muscles, the mental and emotional muscles that we talk about, and that they learn is to have a beginner's mind exactly like you were talking about. to understand that rejection is an opportunity for learning just like mistakes or failure it's falling forward into your future it's not falling backwards um trusting in your abilities and yourself building on your self-confidence as you were saying to get past the obstacles or the roadblocks or the barriers that may come into your way because they're learning blocks not roadblocks oftentimes Um, and it's about changing that lens and that the world is full of abundance
1: and I also think that it's, it's important that when you do go through these um, moments of rejection, or you do go through moments of hardship, is that feeling um, uncomfortable with that or not liking that is the right response. It's the, it's the natural response to that, that situation. But what you do is you train yourself to realize that that's how I feel, but I can control the next I can control the next move. But I think that sometimes we can get caught up with thinking that there's an ideal way to feel all the time, but we can't control how we feel. We can only control how we respond to that. So if I get rejected by a bunch of emails, it doesn't feel good to think that I I sent that out and they've said no, but what you do next with that is still your choice. You can either go, well, I've learned something and I'll now apply it differently next time. Or you go, well, actually maybe there's more I can ask for. There's a different way to approach it. But I think so often, we feel that the the negative feeling is so overwhelming that then we shouldn't try again.
0: You bring up a really important point because many entrepreneurs are focused on the outcome. It's always the end result. Um, I guess a question that I can pose to you is, is it about the effort or is it about the outcome? And I'd love to get your input on that.
1: So it's interesting because I think about quite often about the outcome that I want to achieve. And then I think about the best means of getting there and then I think that there are many things that I might have to surrender in order to get there um, and that acceptance of sometimes if you want an outcome you have to accept that it's not always it's not going to be a linear path to getting there um, I think that you can you can sometimes make things harder for yourselves and you can make things easier for yourself and often that tends to be a matter of perspective you know if you um Explain the situation to yourself from the worst possible outcome, it's very difficult to then motivate yourself to take the action. I think if you are able to visualize and imagine a positive outcome, then that helps you towards generating positive energy in your pursuit for it. And I think that that always helps. Um, but I always like to think of, like, what's my what's the desired outcome? And the easiest thing actually is to make lots of personal surrendering sacrifices to get there because it's this choice I can make rather than trying to massively influence um, people who are outside my control.
0: Wonderful answer. Um, So not motivating others outside of our control, how did you then motivate others through your blogging with your words that was within your control?
1: Yeah, so I think... One of the things that I, um, there's a couple of things. One of the things I learned, uh, really early is that, um, you know, you don't know what you don't know and other people don't know what they don't know. And so just sharing what you're going through at a time is often really valuable to people because maybe you're just two days ahead of them in terms of an experience, or maybe you're a week or a year or whatever. Um, and it's very easy to discount the fact that our experiences are not that significant. Um, And so that's all the kind of blogging and sharing was, was like, I'm learning all this stuff. I'm having epic conversations with people almost on a daily basis. And I'm just going, I'm just regurgitating what I'm learning. You know, I am just a vessel for sharing other people's wisdom. Um, and I think that's the, that was what that was about. I also, um, I also realized that, you know, the way business is done was not established by me or young people. And, having a voice to just say things a bit differently and to approach things from a different angle has um, always been something I think that we wanted to do and I think it's what we do as a company um, and we need to constantly reflect on ourselves to make sure we're being the best versions of ourselves and that where we can improve and sometimes those are um, brutal conversations that you need to have but honest conversations about how we can do better um, and so so the sharing and the blogging is all part of that um, but you know in terms of the Um, Huffington Post um, managing to get a a gig there, well it follows a similar pattern to other things in my life is that I emailed Arianna Huffington um, and I told her everything that I was doing and that I would love for her to come speak at some of our um, events and she personally got back to me and she said that she loves what what we're doing. know she'll check to see if she's available to come and speak but in the meantime she wants to make sure that she sent a journalist to our event and that um, she basically invited me to to have a blogger profile um, to write on behalf of of HuffPost Um, and it's funny because I know a couple of friends who um, had a similar approach and they emailed her directly um, and and they also got an opportunity to, to write for them um, so it's not a unique story, which I think is awesome because it's just a lesson for everybody is that reach out to people that you think are never going to get back to you because they might not, but they also might. And they've got all this influence and power that it's nothing for, for, for her to respond and say, let's make Bruce a blogger. And then it's done. And then someone responds next thing, you know, I've got a login address and, and I can write on behalf of HuffPost.
0: Amazing. Was it a similar introduction to The Heralds of Scotland here?
1: So we probably so we worked more closely with, with The Herald uh, here, um, and we've had media partnerships with them um, formally as part of FutureX. Um, and so writing a kind of uh, fairly regular um, piece for them just came as a kind of natural, natural part of it. And I think also for them is they're keen to make sure that they've got voices from people who are in the community um, and, and been able to push that forward. The thing about that, the Herald, that is um, cool, is that it's it's got a fairly wide distribution. Um, you know, it's it's funny because it's the paper that my parents get delivered uh, to them, so uh, they always see it, which is quite funny. Um, I think that's just success to them, someone in the newspaper. Um, but that, for them, you know, like to put into perspective, um, the Herald is a um, Scottish newspaper, but it's it's owned by. Um, Actually, it's owned by Gannett, which is the, the world's largest publisher, um, and actually publishes USA Today. Um, so, so, yeah, they're, they're part of um, uh, of one of the biggest publishing groups in the world.
0: I could only imagine your parents' um, happiness in the rest of your family as well. Each time they open up the, the, the distribution of that week um, or that month, and then they see your your blogged article. How amazing that, that can be. And the fact that you're, you're spreading the seeds of your projected outcome in different ways. So you're not really focusing, which I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs do, on one outcome and only one way of doing things. Uh, what advice do you have about diversifying your platform as an entrepreneur?
1: So I think it really depends what your, your purpose as an organization is. Um, I think that for us, we are trying to model a future that we believe in, and as an organisation, we exist to try and um, amplify purpose-led individuals to be able to achieve impact at scale. So, in order to do that, there are so many different approaches that you must take, and so we we have we we look at things holistically. Um, And we go, we recognize that you simultaneously need to work on human transformation. Um, And we talk a lot of that about what is leadership and how to, how to get the best out of the human beings that you work with. Um, And I think that I should say at this point is that no one's perfect. And it's a, it's a journey that you constantly reflect back on. Um, And so you don't get it right all the time, but you're constantly working in a, in a way in which You at least reflect and you ask ask the question um and i think that's that's the you know the only way that you can do it but we recognize that that leadership human element of it is how we treat people how we motivate people is really significant but organizational um operations growth investment sales marketing all the rest of it you need those two You can't grow the business um, to reach scale unless you're able to also master those components. And we feel that that's really important because and that's why we bring those kind of people together at our major events, because we must teach those skills as well as the the high level leadership skills. Um, And also, we need to then engender a community and an ecosystem and be part of uh, of nurturing that and playing our role in it, because You know, it takes a village to raise a startup. Um, You know, it takes an ecosystem to raise a startup. You can't do it on your own. And so we have to also then play a wider role there. Um, And so, yeah, so we're involved in lots of different areas, um, but we're constantly thinking, how do we expand our ability to help purpose driven individuals achieve impact at scale?
0: So that's a perfect segue into our topic, which is what is human led leadership and what is what is entrepreneurship. So, would you like to talk about that and 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 your definition, which you've beautifully uh, shared? But if there's anything else that you'd like to add specifically on human led leadership and and the definition of entrepreneurship and what it really means to be an entrepreneur uh, yeah. with our audience, that would be great. So.
1: I try not to get too bogged down with like definitions of um, like entrepreneurship because I think it's so broad. And I I think that the the spice of life is the fact that there's lots of variety and that we shouldn't be so fixed on that. Because I think it's an important question because people ask things like, are you born an entrepreneur? Can you teach an entrepreneur and all the rest of it? And it's like, it's a set of behavioral attitudes being entrepreneurial. Um, And so you can be entrepreneurial anywhere. Anyone can be entrepreneurial. You can be on, because for me, entrepreneurial is just an approach to problem solving. It's, it's creative problem solving. It's not just saying, you know, I should just go like this, but it's saying, actually, maybe if I use a bit of this, a bit of this and a bit of that, I could get over here. And I think that for me is just entrepreneurship. That is, it's creative thinking, it's problem solving, and it is being able to influence things that are outside your control. And that's really what it is, it's about being able to maneuver things that you don't currently have control of. Otherwise, it's management. Management is about moving things around which you already control. Um, And so anyone can be entrepreneurial. I think that purpose and human led leadership to me is is on the basis of what I've, I've read and observed from lots of other people. And Um, I think that uh, a guy called Bob Chapman, who's the CEO of Barry Waymiller, sums it up really well. And he said, it's about um, the impact that you have on other people's lives. So about all the, um, as an employer, you have impact over so many people's lives. And that is about recognising that you have that responsibility in that role. So for me, it's about recognising that you have people, not machines, that you need to be super conscious of their emotional well being. You need to be conscious of how you speak to them, how you include them, and also just understand some of the fundamentals of, of, of human beings. Um, and I think that's really what human led leadership is about it's about challenging yourself to think about the people because people do business with people and people buy human design stories and that is the fundamental of the whole thing and I think that once you understand that and you you constantly revert back to that then you're able to get the best from everyone but it's also as I say with everything it's a journey no one does this right on day one you have to learn because the people in every um, employment environment every social group is nuanced and different so being a human-led leader is not just about following a set of one principles, it's about adapting to the people who are around you and being flexible, being open. You know, I was speaking to someone the other day who's um, Claude Silver, who's um, from uh, VaynerMedia. Um, people probably know Gary V, very kind of uh, well-known internet um, entrepreneur. Claude... Um, she's the chief heart officer at Vayner Media. And she was saying, she's kept, when I was having this conversation about leadership with her, she kept saying, it's not about you. It's not about you, you know? And that's the thing about learning is it's not about me. It's about the people that you're trying to serve. And um, one of the things I really like, and I think this helps resonate, is when you relate it back to your, the people who are most important to you in your life. And you ask yourself, would I speak to them like that? And or even more profound, would I like someone else speaking to them like that? How would I feel if um, someone spoke to my brother in the way that I just spoke to them? And it's thinking like that, that really makes you think, am I being truly compassionate and empathetic to the human being that's in front of me? Um, and if you're not being, you're probably not going to get the best from them. Um, but I, I think that all that comes with balance of also recognizing that businesses must be sustainable. and that you know businesses must also do the core function of um producing a product that makes money in order to be able to enable all that other stuff but the two are symbiotic they they support each other you can't have one without the other Um, and i think that's that's the absolute key
0: what vital points especially given the circumstances that we're in right now around the world um what are some of the what are some of the tips that you would give regarding some of those difficult conversations that people are needing to have? Um, Because it's about creative problem solving, as you said. So how is it about being empathetic and also getting the work done? How can entrepreneurs that faced a really difficult decision, just like other uh, employers around the world, having to furlough their employees or let go of employees. How do you have those difficult um, conversations? And how do you make those difficult decisions if you have any advice to our fellow entrepreneurs and, and employees around the world?
1: I think having a strong purpose in mind is really, really significant because It allows you to base your decisions around achieving your ultimate goal. And sometimes um, it is really, really difficult that if you're in true pursuit of your goal, that not everyone always makes it to the destination. And I think that's really, really hard. And you should be exceptionally empathetic and considerate of when you have to make those difficult employment decisions. Um, But if you're truly rooted in that you're not doing this because you're looking to profiteer from it. Doing this because you have a purpose that is greater than profit, Um, then you're able to use that as a basis for why you're able to make difficult decisions. For us, I think it's important that your values, um, your stated values, come into play as you have those conversations and as you make decisions. As we said before, entrepreneurship is about creative problem solving. So there's often not a simple solution, there's often a complex nuanced solution at play and I think that um, when you look into that and you look at the depth of it you go actually maybe there's compromises we can make maybe there is an in-between mode we can make you know I recognize that at the start of lockdown lots of businesses um, went into complete kind of like walls up Uh, I'm not paying I'm not I'm not discussing this with anyone because I just need to secure myself. But that then breaks relationships for the future. And it's certainly not a sustainable model in which to then recover from. And I think that when you then approach those types of conversations, as you approach it from how do we meet in the middle? How do we find something that is good for you and good for me, where we both survive, we're both able to move on, and we accept that sometimes in negative circumstances, neither of us will come out completely um, victorious or completely happy all of the time. I think that that ability to just be flexible with each other, to to move and to maneuver around the situation, things don't have to be cut and dry. And I think things only ever become cut and dry when you're divorced from the human element of your decision-making.
0: That's a powerful statement. When people are divorced from the element of the human interaction, that human connectivity. So many employees and many entrepreneurs go it alone. It's them against the world it's almost like there's a there's a drive to do it on my own and that collaborative effort sometimes gets uh put aside or even overlooked yeah what are your thoughts on that
1: well the thing is no one does it on their own um and uh because no one does anything on their own you know um so even that as a mindset is um it's already undermining all the people who have had the contribution in your life already. Um, and so I think that no one ever achieves anything on, a, on their own. We always achieve it in collaboration with other people. Um, and that's even if it's someone who's in your supply chain or it's your customers, you know, you, n- nothing was achieved on your own. Customer feedback means that you are not doing it on your own. You're doing it in consultation with your customers. So I think breaking down that um, idea that, that someone achieves success by pure grit and determination and muddling through on their own. It's not consistent or true with anything in human history. Um, And so what we recognize is that when we can then seek help from others is a strength. The ability to, um, uh, to utilize the skills of other people is a strength. And that's why the very best leaders in the world are able to inspire and motivate other people to help them achieve their mission. And I think the role of an entrepreneur ultimately should not be about you doing the work, but your success should be about enabling a system and a model in which other people can, can carry on your work with or without you. Um, and that's easier said than done. You know, I, I'm many years into this and I, I'm not quite sure how I work my way out of it yet, but I think uh, generally speaking, you want to bring people on who are better than you You want to work with people who have skills that you don't have um and by doing it in in collaboration with with other people it's just it's important for so for so many reasons there's no such thing as a self-made person you know Uh, everyone is is working in in uh, an interdependency with each other and the sooner you realize that interdependency the more you can utilize it to, to your advantage but if you resist it then Um, I think you end up, you know, falling victim to to a system that wants to end up shutting you out.
0: You're you're breaking down myths that are consistently brought up as, you know, the path for, for success. For many men, being that our audience is a majority men, it's about that mindset of I could do it alone. I don't ask for help. Vulnerability equals weakness. Strength doesn't come from asking for help. I can, Uh, I'm a self-made man. I've done it on my own. And you're exactly like you're saying, undermining all those that came before you or invested in you to become who you are. Um, I think, unless if you have something else that you'd like to say about this point or these mindset uh, shifts that many of our audience hopefully have already made, and if they haven't, then there's something for them to, to think about.
1: Hmm. I mean, the last thing I want to say is just relating back to the um, idea about thinking about what the outcome you want is. And if you want an outcome and you think I can only get there myself without any help, is that it's going to be really, really difficult to achieve that. And you might achieve it, but the the kind of mental scars from trying to battle through on your own might actually dampen how it feels when when you reach there. Versus saying, actually, what if I surrender some of my ego? Because that's what I'm talking about here when I'm talking about surrendering. I'm talking about surrendering your ego to ask for help, for to, to admit that you can't do it on your own. Well, you're talking about momentary, you know, uh, moment, momentary, passing in time, fleeting moments of inadequacy, maybe. You know, maybe you feel like, oh, I've had to ask, had to concede to ask for help. But then that's over. The other person doesn't feel that way. The other person's just grateful you've asked for help. Um. And the number of people who would be really sad and disappointed to hear that you didn't achieve what you wanted to achieve because you didn't ask for help, you know, your community around you will be disappointed and sad that you didn't reach out.
0: Well, I think we're good to go then. (laughs) Um, yeah, that's absolutely on point. And that goes not just in business, but in life as well, in relationships, uh, in communities, with teams, sports or non-sports. I mean, asking for help is a fundamental of of understanding like what you said before, knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know. Yeah. And being absolutely. aware of it and being humble about it is yeah. essential. Okay. Um, So let's move on a bit uh, towards Future X. So, give us a viewpoint uh, from your perspective, from your lens, what it's like uh, to be part of Future X, to have started it. And then, what is also the flip side of a, par- a participant's uh, experience in Future X from the different varying um platforms that you've developed along the years and and what could someone really benefit from so this idea of of mentorship throughout the process and and learning as they go in a in a holistic environment what does that really look like
1: sure so um futurex is a a whirlwind experience to be part of i have to say it is um it's fast paced it's um at times absolutely incredible. Uh, other times it's totally exhausting. Um, and, and what we do ultimately is we we believe in helping purpose-led individuals achieve impact at scale. And we do that, we've how we built that has come organically. It's come over a series of years building and listening and trying to maneuver based on what we see and we hear in the community. But where we've landed is that we want to build a platform that enables all the things that we keep talking about. Um, It enables a community to share their experiences with each other because sharing and talking to each other is is one of the biggest barriers to, um, you know, people repeat the same mistakes that someone's sitting sometimes just across the road from them, you know, just, just made that mistake two weeks ago and you could have saved them by sharing it with each other. So sharing knowledge, bringing the organizations and partners forward who can help do the other parts of the business, um, enabling um, community, and community that is not just about what's your local community, but what's your international global community look like. Um, And we would like to build, that. we're building that as a kind of digital platform that is very relevant right now because we're in COVID um, at the moment where uh, people are all working remotely. And so people can't attend physical conferences, which is is our background, is running kind of festival um, events. And so it's very, very different doing that online. But we think that's probably the future is a blend of physical um, events get together because there's nothing that replaces that, um, but also having the ability to continue those and develop those relationships and opportunities uh, in a digital space. Um, And I really want to change the way that people think about impact led organizations. And I want them to be the most successful companies uh, going forward. Those are the ones that we should be looking at as the most successful, both commercially and impact uh, from an impact perspective as well. Um, so that, that that's our that's our goal. What daily life looks like then is, is like, we are organizing events regularly. Um, we've got our, we had our impact summit just uh, last month, which was our first online event that was all around uh the kind of the big questions and themes that impact it's kind of like at the intersection of business and society. So we're talking about climate change, we're talking about fast fashion, we were talking about um work in the time of COVID, we were talking about um um I'm trying to remember them all those about six different themes. Um but we covered all these different areas because um, We realize that these are now things that businesses must consider as they build themselves um, into impactful organizations. But then next week, we've got an event which is much more around um, big business and and what is the future of big business and, and what role do they have to play and how can they transform? Because, as we said, you know, if they employ tens of thousands of people, And they positively impact the lives of those tens of thousands of people. Then those people then go home and positively impact their relationships. And then it just becomes this butterfly effect where we're we're radiating out um, safety, security, opportunity versus this kind of very um, kind of like extractive model of leadership where we're trying to just take as much from people until they burn out and then they go home and they're upset at their partner or they are not got time for their kids or they're not interested in the neighbor next door that's the knock-on effect because your life just feels so negative that you don't have enough energy to then give positive vibes back out change in work environment where you spend so much of your time um, I think that's actually one of the areas where we could have the biggest contribution is changing the way because every, if everyone's employed we change the way people are employed and that has a seismic impact on the lives of people in society.
0: Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Um, I have to vouch for Impact Summit, it was amazing. Um, I got a chance to watch it alongside someone else. So we kind of fit the bill together and we watched um, all six themes and it was incredible. We just took a weekend and watched it virtually. Um, and uh, I strongly recommend uh, the business forum coming up on the 24th of June, so if you want to give a second, uh, take a second, sorry, and give a shout out, feel free to do so, Um, and we'll link all the information uh, in the YouTube um, area below.
1: I mean, everyone can find it. It's at future-business-forum.com, and yeah, there's there's passes available on there, Um, and if you can't make the 24th, Because of virtual events, um, they're all available on replay. And so you can still get a ticket and and manage to get access um, even if you can't make the 24th.
0: Awesome. There is just so much to talk about um, with this topic, Bruce. Are there areas that you have personally wanted to see shifts and changes when it comes to human-led leadership uh, in the current market now given the circumstances with COVID that haven't transpired and you'd like to put it out there to invite others to to join you on this mission?
1: I would say that um, sometimes people are afraid to get started because they don't know what the end looks like and there is no end to this unfortunately it's a continuous journey um, forever and, and, and you mentioned it Reham when you spoke about this is not just about business it's about life. And that these are principles that you, you try to carry forward into all areas of, of, of your life. Um, and so you're constantly just trying to get better. Um, and it's not about being perfect. It's just about trying and but consciously trying. Um, and really the key principle is about trying to authentically listen to people um, and truly try to understand where they're coming from, so being empathetic. And that is not about agreeing. You know, I have been in many conversations where I am being um, compassionately listening and empathetic to what they're saying. And I fundamentally disagree with the premise of what they're they're getting at, but it's not the point. The point is about listening to why they feel that way and then trying to get to the root cause of it in order to get back to the positive outcome that we all want from each other. Because everyone wants to do well, Everyone wants to be in an environment where they're being treated fairly. And as a leader, you have a responsibility for the conditions that you set. Um, I think that what you need in these uh, situations is to make sure that, you know, find a mentor for yourself or find a friend or someone that you can speak to. Because I tell you, being um, respectful, listening and empathetic is also exhausting. It's tiring. It's hard work sometimes. It's hard. It's not. It's not. Not sitting here thinking that you know that I'm the Buddha and I've worked it all out. You know, it's it's hard. You know, it's. And so having someone to also be able to have maybe some more candid conversations with, where you can then accept that what you're doing is venting, and venting is very different from the action that you take. And so sometimes you need to actually say the thing that immediately comes to your head, in a safe space, but then consider about then how you rework that conversation when you then need to have it more consciously. And I think it's like, don't give yourself a hard time. You know, stop stop, stop bullying yourself all the time for, for not getting it right. Um, and I, I think that, and you know, I'm saying that, and I, and I don't always practice what I preach. You know, I've caught myself numerous times giving myself a hard time. And I think I would never say this to anybody else. I would never be this mean to anybody else. Um, and so the idea is just to try, just to constantly try and check yourself where you can. Um, and work with others, speak to others, learn. Um, If you get it wrong, uh, which we also get it wrong, sometimes you just need to accept it. And and if you get things really wrong, sometimes you just put your hands up and say, I'm sorry, I've got this wrong and I need to do better. There's more I can do. Um, And if you mean that authentically, then it's all. I think it's always received that way as well.
0: Great tips, thank you. Uh, Any other uh, parting Tips or thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience members uh, with regarding entrepreneurship, for those, uh, for example, that are leaving employment and are wanting to go into entrepreneurship now, or are starting a business, you know, for the first time, or yeah. struggling to even make up their mind: should I or should I not stay in employment or start uh, or or create a startup? Definitely. So
1: I love entrepreneurship. My my kind of like passions in life are um humans and business i love it i love the all the technical parts of it too you know i love the sales the marketing i love the whole lot you know i'm really passionate about that part as well and i think that if you're a person that is excited by being a bit scrappy and pulling bits together and you know not making something perfect all the time you know that for me is what like entrepreneurship is is about it's it's absolutely not the um pursuit of perfection it's it's a whole journey of experience and trying things and improving and, uh, on a on long-term journey during times of economic disruption is always a good time to think about uh, entrepreneurship some of the most disruptive businesses that we see today in the world came about because of on the backs of economic crashes because it creates a space for behavior change that sometimes you never otherwise see people um, tend to work in Um, and in fairly predictable manners and disruptions social and economic give you that opportunity to change mindsets and change the way people do things and change the way people perceive things and that's what the opportunity is when you're becoming an entrepreneur is that you're building the future that you want to see you have the control over that so often I, I meet people who feel as though there's nothing they can do to have a contribution and that their voice doesn't matter and it doesn't matter what they say or do because they can never impact the whole but entrepreneurship is absolutely impacting the whole it's having a contribution to the whole uh, system the way of doing things how you treat your people and your suppliers and your customers has an impact has a positive and big impact Um, and so i think that the other side of that is that um there's also ways to start businesses now it's such a low cost and that it doesn't have to be an exceptionally expensive thing to start and you need to just start you need to do something now you need to try something you know i know countless people in fact the, a guy called duncan logan who's the founder of rocket space which is the, was a technology um, campus in silicon valley that had uber and spotify and they went on to have some like 20 billion dollar companies there <laughs> duncan started rocket space because he put an ad up online saying does anyone want any office space? He didn't have the office yet. And then he got some responses, and then he realized that what people wanted was a tech-only office. And so then he put up an ad and said, this is a tech-only shared office space. Anyone interested? And he got so many more ads. And then he opened up the space. You know, you don't have to you, going out and trying things and testing and seeing what's out there. Um, there's also so many platforms now where you don't have to know how to code. There's so many no-code platforms out there. You just need to get good at asking Google lots of questions uh, and it's all out there. You just need to be resourceful and thrifty um, and don't be afraid to reach out to people for advice ever. Just reach out and ask them um, and then just wait to see, see what comes. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that, that's, that's my tip is you need to just go for it, um, but don't feel like you have to do it on your own.
0: Well, that takes us right into well how can individuals that have started a business for example or have an idea for a business but are looking for a partner to run it how can they go about getting a partner and and working out those really tedious fine-tuning statements and legalese that oftentimes can get in the way of a partnership
1: yeah so in terms of finding one um i think you need to be really considerate of um, business partnerships because it's the equivalent of marriage, um, from 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 the legal sense. You know, it, you are uh, legally bound to that individual um, in lots of different ways, and so you must be considerate of that because there is no easy way to remove a business partner. You know, particularly you know one with that's got equity and, um, and and lots of rights. So you you must be considerate and conscious that you're building a a relationship that hopefully has is going to stand the testament of time Um, how you do that is there are lots of um, like initiatives out there like find my co-founder there are are meetup events where you can go along and it's people who are looking for co-founders i also know people who have literally just put adverts up online saying you know this is what i'm looking to build this is my objective and i'm looking for a co-founder who has skills in X, Y, and Z, and what they're looking for is skills that they don't have. You know, I think my co-founder, Zoe, um, is that we are really complementary, but we have completely different skills. Zoe is very good at thinking about the the detail and is really good at remembering the depth of conversations and things that people said. She's very analytical. um, And that really complements the fact that, you know, I'm a bit crazy sometimes and come up with, with things that are a bit harebrained but Zoe's able to look that back and say well remember we've looked at this and we've spoken about this and remember this over here um, and that's you know and that's really really valuable my advice is that if you're going to go into a co-founder relationship um, is that you have the worst conversations first and you have it at a time where you're not upset with each other at a time when you still are really excited about the future partnership you're going to have together and you have the worst case scenario conversation. What happens if we don't want to work it together anymore? What happens if um, one of, what happens if we just fall out with each other and we just don't want to do it anymore? Um, What are the implications? And you need to have all those conversations. And if anyone ever tells you that that's never going to happen, don't worry about it, then (laughs) that's, you're going to, you're making a mistake. You're making a mistake. You you, you have to do that. and actually, if you do it at the beginning, no one's feelings are hurt because you're not in that state of mind. If you retrospectively try to build in these covenants into the uh, shareholders agreement, after you've had tension, you're on a, you're on a potentially slow decline to oblivion. Um, and you, you need to be very conscious of that. Um, and like any kind of relationship, um, you need to listen to each other and you need to give each other the space um, to be heard. Um, but that's not that, I think that makes sense with any kind of partnership.
0: Absolutely, uh, a wealth of knowledge. I can't wait to, to get on board and, and, and see the Business Forum uh, transpire on the 24th. So shout out to everyone. Please click on the link in the YouTube video below uh, f- to be able to get uh, registered for the Business Forum uh, before the 24th of June. And for anyone else uh, that is interested in participating, we'll have Bruce's information um, regarding FutureX X and its future uh, events and endeavors uh, down below as well. Any parting thoughts or ideas before we wrap up?
1: Just thanks so much for having me, Reham. I really appreciate uh, the conversation and, and delighted to be part of it.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for uh, for coming on board. Thank you for accepting my uh, request. I actually did exactly what you were doing um, and talking about. I um, uh, I had had the opportunity of uh, listening to you speak elsewhere um, at the startup summit and sent you an email uh, and kind of was able to get connected with you there. So I strongly recommend anyone that has someone in mind that you want to communicate with, that you want to learn from or work with, just put yourself out there and trust that things might come of it that could blow your mind and really take you in the direction that you're wanting to achieve um, that desired outcome so thank you again bruce for taking the time out and uh talking to our our wonderful audience of genuine men
1: oh, my pleasure and if anyone wants to reach out um you know I'm on linkedin and twitter and all that kind of stuff so you can find me there
0: definitely and we'll link that below as well Join us on our next episode of the Genuine Men's Chat next week, next Thursday. Um, We also have our Genuine Men's show coming up in July, another episode, and we also have our podcast for both. Share, like, and follow the Genuine Men's Chat on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget, we also have a Genuine Men's Chat Facebook group to join where you can have discussions around this topic and all the other topics that we've talked about before, with the men uh, in the group. Our motto in 2020 is many men, many conversations. Have you taken your seat at the table yet? See you next week.